G'day and welcome to another episode of Left After Breakfast coming to you from Melbourne, Australia. Broadcast from the studios of 3CR, your only radio left. My name is Susanna Duffy. In this episode, we're going to hear again about the voice to Parliament and we'll have a look at our banks and their incredible profit. Matilda's captain, Sam Kerr, has called for more funding for grassroots soccer after her team lost to the Lionesses last night in the Women's World Cup semi-finals. To Sam, it wasn't so much about what happened on the pitch, but rather the change that you make to the sport. She said the only thing that kept her smiling after the loss was the enormous groundswell of support from Australia. The team has certainly won our hearts, all right, though the fans got a bit hectic on Wednesday night at Fed Square. Golly. As a snapshot of changing Australia, the makeup of the Matildas is fascinating. Two Indigenous players, one from Papua New Guinea, and players from Nigerian, Polish, Dutch, Italian, Turkish and Greek origins, and an out-captain, all of them playing a football code that is wildly popular at local grassroots level. Good on them. Go, Matildas. Thank what gods there may be for our migrants. When you consider that when I was born... At the end of World War II, white Australia was actually more Anglo-Celtic than Britain itself. We've come a long way. Australia has been transformed overwhelmingly for the better by our migrants. Those politicians who draw on xenophobia and monoculturalism are relying on a diminishing pool of the old the white and the bigoted. Their clock is ticking out. Surveys of younger Australians show much higher levels of acceptance of racial and sexual diversity than is the case for those who are older. I trust those younger Australians for a yes vote on The Voice. As for those right-wing politicians and shock jock yobbos, if for some reason the voice doesn't get up, it will provide psychological fuel for those who rely on hate-mongering and those who are still stingingly resentful of their loss over marriage equality. More on the voice. Some slogans to remember. Marbo, 1992. John Howard said, our backyards are at stake. The Apology, 2008, Tony Abbott said, our backyards are at stake. The Voice, 2023, Peter Dutton said, oh, have a guess, our backyards are at stake. But the Murdoch Press, once again, is going above and beyond to amplify his divisive no campaign. 
the Australian has accused people, well, people like me, of verbal thuggery and has praised Dutton's courage. Seriously. Murdoch Press. Dutton has a national platform and he holds sway over the party's core supporters. He has a long track record, oh, a long track record of racist fear-mongering, including walking out on the apology to the stolen generation. Remember that? I don't forget it. He walked out on the apology. He's also responsible for attacks on refugees, the Chinese community, and African migrant communities in Melbourne. We all know about them. You're too scared to go outside in Melbourne at night. Dutton and his colleagues are urging us to deny the First Nations people recognition in the Constitution as the original occupants of the land. Now, if they succeed, it will be a time of great sorrow for our country, not just its Indigenous people. Dutton claims that he will support constitutional recognition of First Nations people, but not in this referendum. Just how much longer do these Liberals expect the descendants of the original inhabitants of this continent to wait? We, as Australians, had to leave it to the High Court to end the absurd notion of terra nullius, despite the Indigenous people having occupied this continent for some 60,000 years. Dutton's decision to say no to the referendum on The Voice would ordinarily sound its death knell. No referendum in which a no case was mounted by a major political party has succeeded. But this time might be different, listener. It's quite possible that Dutton's belligerence will drive undecided voters into the yes camp. This is the man who recently presided over the first loss of a by-election by a federal opposition to a government in more than a century. And he has failed to persuade several state Liberal leaders to his cause of opposing the referendum, including their sole Premier, Tasmania's Jeremy Rockliffe, who will campaign for the Yes case. If Dutton had a sound record on promoting harmony, he might have been able to mount an argument that he had given the referendum thorough consideration and reluctantly came down on the side of opposing it. No, not Dutton. I think he hopes to outmanoeuvre one nation. Dutton's manoeuvre is best understood, I think, as an attempt to keep the Parliamentary Liberal Party together, even if it is ultimately at the party's expense. It's just bloody-minded opposition for the sake of opposition. And that's Peter Dutton through and through. We can expect more Liberals to break ranks over the party's rejection of the voice to Parliament, like Bridget Archer and Ken Wyatt, who actually quit Federal President of the Young Liberals, that's Dimitri Chug Palmer. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing at his name, I'm just laughing at the idea that they have a Young Liberals group still going. Chug Palmer says there are plenty of Liberals that will support the referendum, and he himself wants to really support the voice. And he says that it gives the opportunity to Indigenous people to have a say on issues that affect them, and that was a fundamentally Liberal principle. But he wants more detail of the voice. 
another Liberal Party personality who really sitting on the fence, seeing what's the best way to jump fence sitters. You know, there's something wrong with fence sitters, isn't there? You know, you can have one view on things and it could be different to mine. But at least you've got a view and you're not sitting on the bloody fence. Oh, they make me feel ill. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. The Murdoch Press is claiming that there's a secret Uluru Statement from the Heart which runs to 26 pages. This Murdoch conspiracy refers to process documents released under Freedom of Information, accounts of the regional dialogues that contributed to the Uluru Statement, but they are not part of the Uluru Statement. In reality, the statement fits on a single page. And let's hear the statement in full. I will read it. We gathered at the 2017 National Constitutional Convention, coming from all points of the southern sky, make this statement from the heart. Our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes were the first sovereign nations of the Australian continent and its adjacent islands and possessed it under our own laws and customs. This our ancestors did according to the reckoning of our culture from the creation, according to the common law from time immemorial, and according to science more than 60,000 years ago. This sovereignty is a spiritual notion, the ancestral tie between the land or Mother Nature and the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who were born therefrom remain attached thereto and must one day return thither to be united with their ancestors. This link is the basis of the ownership of the soil, or better, of sovereignty. It has never been ceded or extinguished and coexists with the sovereignty of the crown. How could it be otherwise? That peoples possess the land for 60 millennia and this sacred link disappears from world history in merely the last 200 years. With substantive constitutional change and structural reform, we believe this ancient sovereignty can shine through as a fuller expression of Australia's nationhood. Proportionally, we are the most incarcerated people on the planet. We are not an innately criminal people. Our children are aliened from their families at unprecedented rates. This cannot be because we have no love for them. And our youth languish in detention in obscene numbers. They should be our hope for the future. These dimensions of our crisis tell plainly the structural nature of our problem. This is the torment of our powerlessness. 
we seek constitutional reforms to empower our people and take a rightful place in our own country. When we have power over our destiny, our children will flourish. They will walk in two worlds and their culture will be a gift to their country. We call for the establishment of a First Nations voice enshrined in the Constitution. Makarata is the culmination of our agenda, the coming together after a struggle. It captures our aspirations for a fair and truthful relationship with the people of Australia and a better future for our children based on justice and self-determination. We seek a Makarata Commission to supervise a process of agreement-making between governments and First Nations and truth-telling about our history. In 1967, we were counted. In 2017, we seek to be heard. We leave base camp and start our trek across this vast country. We invite you to walk with us in a movement of the Australian people for a better future. And here's a message from the Torres Strait Islanders. We stand united in our plight for our Yes Vote journey in the Torres Straits. We walk together with our Aboriginal brothers and sisters and demonstrate that two shall become one. And I appeal to all Australians to support the plight of our recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders in our country. 3CR The referendum we'll be asked to vote on will read a proposed law to alter the constitution to recognise the First Peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. Do you approve of this proposed alteration? If we vote yes, we give a voice to the descendants of thousands of Aboriginal men and women incarcerated, stolen from their families and vilified for the colour of their skin. But if we vote no, we ignore the entreaty of the Uluru Statement from the heart and we deny any chance of truth-telling or of makarata, a word from the Yungu language which means a coming together after a struggle to face the facts of wrongs and to live in peace. A no vote is a vote for racism. A no vote is a victory for a revival of the white Australia policy. For heaven's sake, vote yes. The voice is a well-considered proposition put forward by Indigenous Australians. Just respect it. It is a shame, a great shame on Australia that a simple request from the voiceless, just to be heard, has turned into an opportunity for those already in possession of the megaphone to crank up the volume. The Australian Constitution is the only constitution of a first world nation with a colonial history 
that does not recognise its first people. Okay, surely that in itself is reason enough to say, oh, to hell with it, let's try and catch up with the rest of the world and turn the racism down just a fraction. What The Voice will do is provide independent advice to Parliament and Government. The Voice will not have a program delivery function or a veto power. The Voice to Parliament will not have the power to override parliamentary decisions. Peter Dutton laments an imaginary lack of detail and he accuses Albanese of treating us like mugs. Oh, again, that supposed lack of detail. Dutton has been given every opportunity to learn about the voice. In the previous parliament, former Minister for Indigenous Australians Ken Wyatt took details of a voice to parliament twice to cabinet. Dutton ignored him. Leading academics... Indigenous elders, working groups and communities have extensively collaborated over years. Dutton has ignored them. An invitation to the Gama Festival was extended to Dutton last year. He chose not to go. Dutton infamously walked out of the apology to the Stolen Generations in 2008 and only realised he'd made a mistake in 2022. He has said that The Voice will have Australia permanently divided by race and that it will hit property ownership. This will mean the end of democracy and life as we know it. This negative campaign led by Dutton, a man whose racist credentials have long been on public display, is ostensibly about detail, but in truth, it's only about keeping our First Nations peoples voiceless for as long as possible. Is the voice to Parliament such a difficult thing to accept? Is it our geographic location that's kept us out of step with the modern world? Why can't we move with the times? As a nation, are we essentially conservative? Is it because out of the 46 elections we've had since Federation, 32 of them have been won by conservative parties? As a nation, are we xenophobic? having a fear of strangers and foreigners or anything new and strange. You only have to look at our general acceptance of the shameful treatment of refugees and asylum seekers to conclude, yeah, we're xenophobic. Or are we, deep down, well, up front, just plain old racist Please, listener, show that you're not a racist. Saying yes to the voice to Parliament is a no-brainer. 3CR And now for something completely different. Didn't we have a Royal Commission into Banking? 
just a couple of years ago, or perhaps I'm mistaken. I remember John Howard saying the idea of it was stupid and a waste of time. Whatever. In any case, it looks like any findings from that commission have not been implemented. But let's leave that World Commission for the moment, because right now it's profit season, when corporations tell us just how much profit they have made. Over the last six months, Australia's banks have raked in $16 billion in profit. And this is because of surging inflation in the middle of a national cost of living crisis. Westpac revealed a 22% surge in profit to $4 billion. National Australia Bank posted a 17% profit increase to $4 billion. ANZ a 23% boost to $3.8 billion. Combank increased its profits by 6% to $10 billion. Remember, I'm saying billion, not million. What does $10 billion even look like? I keep getting this crazed image of Scrooge McDuck diving into his huge vats of money. These insane bank profits come in part from charging people more for borrowing while giving less to people who saved. The banks win both ways. But because banks make such large profits, it makes inflation worse. The Banking Royal Commission exposed widespread misconduct in the banking sector with all sorts of scandals, all sorts of unethical practices, such as handing out misleading advice and charging fees for no service. This was all down to a profit-driven, toxic executive culture. There were 76 recommendations from that Royal Commission, most of which have not been implemented, and only one-third of which have become law. Meanwhile, our banks enjoy a privileged place in Australian society. Their profits equate to a staggering 2.9% of GDP, making them the most profitable banks in the world. The Reserve Bank found that the big four banks have an implicit government subsidy worth almost $4 billion a year. Surely these super high profits combined with taxpayer subsidy demand extra scrutiny and possibly potential additional regulation. I mean, just how difficult is this to do? Such excessive corporate profits are a major contributor to the cost of living crisis. We need a special tax on excessive banking profits. Bring it on. Why are we supporting these big four banks with our tax? Thanks for listening. Thanks for the ride. See you next week. Same time, same place. Until then, it's cheerio and ciao from Left After Breakfast. And I leave you with the weavers. And the banks are made of marble.
have traveled around this country from shore to shining shore it really made me wonder the things I heard and saw I saw the weary farmer plowing his sod and loam I heard the auction hammer just a knocking down his home but the banks are made of marble with a guard at every door and the boats are stuffed with silver that the farmer sweated for I saw the weary miner scrubbing coal dust from his back and I heard his children crying no coal to heat the shack But the banks are made of marble With a guard at every door And the vaults are stuffed with silver That the miners wait for I saw the seamen standing Idly by the shore And I heard the owner's saying, got no work for you no more. But the banks are made of marble, with a guard at every door. And the walls are stuffed with silver, that the seamen sweated for. And together make a stand. And we hold. 